0: How's it going everybody? Thanks for tuning in. On this episode Aaron and I are going to be talking about snow camo and how effective that it really is and has been for us in the last couple of seasons. We talk about how we started using snow camo. We also talk about different conditions and how we use those to our advantage during the late season. And in general we cover late season hunting tactics so Hopefully, if you guys still have the opportunity to hunt, you're getting out there and enjoying time outside, even though it's getting pretty cold out, or you can at least use some of the things that we're talking about in this podcast to your advantage in future seasons during the later part of the season. Speaking of late season, on our website right now we have our late season sale going on so it's definitely something to take advantage of because right now hoodies that were $54.99 are now all the way down to $39.99. T-shirts are $19.99 and they were $29.99. So there's some pretty major deals there and there's a bunch of stuff that's for sale. So if you go over to our website thehuntingpublic.com and click on shop and then sale it'll take you right over to everything that's on sale and we've also got a lot of our hunting gear for sale as well like our camo fleece long sleeve and hoodies but we've also got the thp three pack of mouth calls for sale too so if you're looking forward to getting in the turkey woods you want to start practicing your calls probably be a good idea to take advantage of that sale but that's all for today let's talk with warb about snow camo morning yeah (laughs) I'm actually impressed with how much coffee I've got down already, believe it or not. oh, I've had zero <laughs> i'm just I'm just
1: running on aspirations at this point. Uh, I had to find a secluded room here got everybody's asleep, including the dogs above me in various areas of the home
0: i uh I was gonna ask you what's the Like, what's the kid's, uh, like, thing they're into right now? Like, what's the thing that's getting everybody fired up? Like, when they wake up this morning, what's the first thing they're going to start thinking and talking about?
1: Oh, they're going to get on them them iPads immediately. (laughs) I mean, they're going to be on there. Graham's already on his. (laughs) He told me I I was going to sleep last night at, like, 9.15, and he's... He said, When are you getting up? And I said, I'm getting up at 6 40 in the morning because I gotta do a podcast with Zach. And he's like, Will you wake me up? I'm like, if you shut that thing off right now and go to sleep right now, I'll wake you up. And he said, Okay, and he turned it off real quick and closed his eyes and and went to sleep. Cause he's he's got a thing with wanting to be the first one up every morning. So I woke him up before I came down here and he was ecstatic. <laughs> He's up there on his iPad an hour before everybody else can get on theirs. I mean, but we'll t- we'll take him away about breakfast time.
0: It's a good strategy. And
1: then they'll be down they'll be down here running around building forts and stuff.
0: It's a good strategy getting up before everybody, you know. And it's kind of the advantage of hunting, I think. It's like you get up and start your day, and you're like, next thing you know, it's noon. You've done a lot of stuff. He's a he's a morning person. That's good. Hundred percent. I think I'm a morning person like once a week maybe.
1: <laughs> I I am most days, it seems like. Like I can as long as I get my feet on the
0: ground, yeah. I'm pretty well I'm good from that point forward. I, but Greg's not no, no Greg's no. Takes Greg makes me look like a morning person seven out of seven days. <laughs> takes old Greg a good hour to get the blood flow. That's hilarious up to up to the norm. You know, I don't think I really realized that until we actually started THP. Like, I think I I had heard you guys talk about it at Midwest Whitetail, but then when we started THP, that's when I really started noticing it. It's pretty funny.
1: Oh yeah, he's yeah, <laughs> you got to bake in some extra time for Greg in the mornings. So, he's
0: he's a slow roller. Yeah, I mean, he is one of those characters. Ben Ben can be this way too where it's like you're trying to talk to him, and they're, you can tell their brain's not really even on at all yet, where I feel like the, the thing about, like you said, about if your feet are on the ground, it's like I think I'd wake up pretty quickly, but it's like with Greg, it takes him an extra little second. Ben does the same thing where I think sometimes I annoy Ben first thing in the morning because I'm just like, and he's like, mm, get out of here. <laughs> 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 but anyway. So, I think, do you want to talk about just late season, like, cover in general? Do you want to kind of, like, cover that, or do you want to get more specific on, like, snow camo, hide, stuff like that? Or what are you thinking?
1: Oh, I don't know. Either one. I think hunting in the snow is what is most interesting to me, Mm -hmm. just watching your South Dakota mule deer hunt and you know you guys hunting out there and that stuff and then thinking back to the all the hunts we've had in the last just the last couple years where we've been in snow or blizzards or whatever it's just interesting to see how much more you can get away with Mm -hmm. in that type of stuff and not many people not many people target hunting in the Mm -hmm. snow you know greg's always talked about how he loves hunting in the snow but you know, we've had a lot of success here recently hunting in the snow on the ground mm-hmm. wearing snow patterns, yeah. like snow camo or solid colors or anything. Yes. And it just seems like the things can't see you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know I don't know if that was the case on your South Dakota hunt yeah, or not. It seemed like it it. it. it looked like you were blended in like really well. Like whenever you guys would cut to the wide shot, where you could see the buck and then point to you on the hillside is like, man, I bet with the winds blowing and snows blowing, I bet that thing has a hell of a time <laughs> seeing where you're at. Yeah.
0: I I, I definitely think that um, it is interesting to see the success just in, like you said, the last several years where beforehand, you know, A lot of the experiences that i had hunting in the snow when i was younger were a lot of tree stand hunting and then i felt like the challenge with that was always just finding cover in the tree where since we've started doing this snow camo thing it almost feels like you can just become invisible like you just put the invisibility cloak on and you're like getting away with way more i think that your hunt last year with ted during muzzleloader was real similar with the blowing snow right like if I remember right, a lot of that footage or stuff coming across.
1: We were wearing Hunter Orange vests, but we had on full suits of snow camo. And I mean, we walked right up to the. There's two advantages, really. It's like the wind was blowing, the snow was blowing. So the deer, the visibility was cutting down and everything's moving. So we crept down into that little bottom we were in. And I just looked up, and there's deer standing there feeding in the wide open, you know, 80 yards away. And we had been crunching and walking fast down through there, and we were in the wide open. And those things never looked at us one time. It's like, Ted, I think we can actually just kind of walk past them. And we just started walking, and they never even looked at us. And it was it was almost like you said, almost like you had an invisibility cloak mm-hmm. on. Like there's no way we would have got a, got away with this, you know, without snow. Mm-hmm. And they were in a they were in the edge of some really thick cover where if they had no snow on the ground behind them, we would have probably not been able to see mm-hmm. them, without really heavily glassing that because Jake killed his doe in that same spot a few days ago. And he said that was the big difference. He's like, we started creeping down in there at daylight, and I could not tell if there was deer on that hillside. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I could see every yeah, one but... of them last year when we were in here because the snow. I mean, I could see embedded up there in like the thick briars and stuff just because they contrast. You know, they had that, yeah, that contrast. But no, I mean, they couldn't. They had no freaking clue we were there. Mm-hmm. And that's how we killed that buck that night was we just snuck into that bottom with deer bedded all around us on that rim, and we went slow, and that thing had no idea. I mean, I shot him as soon as we sat down pretty much. I mean, sat down, looked over there, there he was, and then we were in position. He may have been looking down there because we were making noise, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole time, but he couldn't tell what we were.
0: Yeah, the... The snow camo thing, I think what's interesting about so many different camo patterns on, like, you know, days without snow is it's hard to match perfectly the setting. Like, you can have, I mean, to have a camo pattern that matches every setting, you'd have to have, like, an absurd amount of colors to choose from, like, depending... You know, if you're out in more open country or in timber, and even the difference between timber on a dry day and a rainy day, I think, you know, your color might change a little bit on how dark you want your camo to be. But with snow, it's like you could pretty much like sew a bed sheet into the shape of a shirt, and you'd probably be better off than wearing any sort of camo color just because that camo contrasts so much. But then you put the snow camo on or anything really light color like that and you just blend right in. It's it's pretty crazy to see, especially when I remember last year with Nick on the day that Big Buck came in on us and uh my release was frozen. <laughs> it's one I love to relive. <laughs> but I remember looking back <laughs> at Nick and being like like I can't see him at all over there. And he had almost no cover. He was really just sitting in, like, I don't know, waist-to-chest-high little, uh, I think they were aspen shoots. really had no structure to him. But because that snow camo is kind of colored that way, I actually thought I had a piece of it right here, but it don't. But it has that, uh, you know, little bit of broken color to it, and he just disappeared right into it. And it's almost like having... A ghillie suit but i actually think it's better than a ghillie suit in a grassy situation everything's white yeah. everything
1: it, like you like you said if there's no snow on the ground there's a lot of con- there's a lot of contrasting colors through the woods and they can pick you out they can pick your outline out easier it feels like but when there's snow especially if there's snow like up on the trees and everything Mm -hmm. they can't see you i think you i think you're better off on the ground in most situations Mm -hmm. like that i mean Mm -hmm. if you get up in a big oak tree with snow all up in there and you're wearing your snow cam i'm sure you're good but that's kind of the disadvantage of the late season is there's no cover left on the trees because all the leaves have fallen so all you're dealing with is branches or or unless you're in an evergreen tree Mm -hmm. but when I think back to like the waterfowl guys and even talking to Nick about waterfowl hunting a little bit and John Lewis. Those guys love hunting geese or ducks in the snow because all you got to do is go out there and put a sheet out and lay underneath it. And they said they'll land right on top of you. And I've hunted geese and ducks in fields before where if you weren't brushed in well, they're going to bust you. Like constantly. I was just hunting ducks a, a week ago, or a couple weeks ago, and like the hide was the number one thing. I mean, they would just, they were busting us flock after flock after flock coming in. Whereas if you would had snow and you're wearing a sheet, they'll they'd land on your head. I mean, and birds can see, I mean, ducks can see really, really well, just like a turkey or anything else, but... Yeah, I can think of numerous. Oh, I had to, when I was texting you the other day about this. I was thinking of like the various examples over the years, and it's like, man, they they really can't see in that crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking back even when I was a kid. I killed a buck one time on the ground, an eight pointer with my bow, and I didn't. I sat in the tree stand until I got bored, and I got down and I started walking around like right at prime time. And I just walked out into this open field, and there was this buck out there feeding. And he was like 60 yards away, and he didn't, never saw me walking up the field edge or nothing. And I knocked an arrow, and I just kind of snuck-walked the edge of the woods towards him. I'm like, well, if I can get a little bit closer, I'll shoot this thing. And I got closer and closer and closer and closer, and he never looked at me once. And then I just got down on a knee and drew back and shot him. Jeez. And I was like, I was like, man that was just one of those one in a million things but then i got to thinking like there was, everything was covered in snow mm-hmm. like if you're hunting in a fresh snow too you're really quiet oh, yeah if it's you know if it crunch crusts over and gets real crunchy that's a problem but if you're hunting in fresh snow man yeah I can't hear you
0: it's it's funny you're you mentioned greg always talking about being in snow and i remember my dad always talking about it too and you know, I think it's so ingrained in me at this point to kind of dislike it from the camera situation, which is not relatable to everybody for sure. But, you know, you get, you get so wet, you sit there in a stand and you're trying to keep your muzzle odor and your, and your camera dry. It's like, yeah, it's not an ideal situation. But as, like, I look back, like you're saying, on all these hunts, it's like, man, It's certainly not my favorite weather. Like, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. 50 is a high. Maybe maybe about mid-40s is a high. Those are my days that I really like to be out there. But just looking at, you know, what you can get away with. And, you know, one thing that is funny about that snow camo that I've been wearing is it's totally just bumped from my dad. Like, when I was a kid, he got that. It's like a Cabela's top and bottom. I, they probably don't even make the thing anymore. I actually don't think they do. I think I looked for it. But anyway, I always thought that thing was so cool, that suit. You know, it was always out in the out in the barn when I was a kid, and I'd go, like, you know, look at it, put it on. It's, It's just this piece of gear that was always cool to me. So he let me borrow it. I don't know. Couple seasons ago, I was like, Hey, you wearing this thing? And he's like, Oh, not really. <laughs> and, and truthfully, I, I don't really ever remember him hardly wearing it other than a few, you know, and where I hunted a lot, we didn't have tons of snow. I mean, there's definitely date don't get me wrong, it definitely snows in Ohio, but like, I feel like there wasn't always snow in the late season. And then, um, you know, a lot of times too, you know, you've you filled the tag or two you're just like yeah i'm not worried about going in the snow
1: yeah and i think that's That's how i always was i was like i never bought this stuff because i'm like i'm gonna wear this once or twice a Mm -hmm. year and i'm not even that i mean i'm not even that excited about going hunting in january (laughs) right you know or december i i hunted you know just in passing almost it was like i'm bored today so i'm gonna go hunt it wasn't that serious or anything but after seeing how effective it is
0: was the, is the stuff that you got like just the outer shell yep. or is it like a legit coat? It's, it's, it's a little bit more than, um, some of the other stuff that I have. I have other stuff that way. If somebody's with me and they want to wear it, you know, we always are covered for at least two or three people, but it's a little bit bulkier, which I kind of like cause it is a little extra, a little extra warmth, but it does fit big so that way you can fit stuff underneath of it which I think is also really important just having it kind of as like a shell like you said is being able to get more clothes underneath of it but um you know it has pants with it but I've I've still not worn the pants Uh, last year I think I was packing them on my my pack when I went in when Nick and I shot that buck I'm pretty sure that I had it, he was wearing his pants, and I'm pretty sure I had it on my pack, but I think at the very least having that top shell, and then the other thing that I did last year was, I don't have any of them here, of course, they're in the truck, I think, but I I bought a a white beanie off Amazon for like a dollar, you know, or like a two pack for three bucks or whatever, and uh, then I also bought white build hats, and I had I think one, eh, I don't know if I've even worn the white billed hat, but just putting that beanie over top of your hat is another, you know, way to kind of break up your outline. Like, for example, if you're set up behind a log, the top of your head just looks like a log with snow on it, you know. And I think mm-hmm. those, those two pieces are things that I just always put in my bag now. It's like even as early as October, you never know. You know, you might get some crazy snow, and having that stuff, I think, just really bumps your odds up. And then, I think the biggest hurdle that I've like we were just talking about, like actually wanting to go in the snow, like <laughs> is sometimes a bit of a struggle. But but we've had so many good hunts, like you said, it's worth it's worth putting the effort into. Yeah,
1: after seeing the success at this point, I'm like really looking forward to getting out in it. Because it's such a situational thing, but man, if you can hit it on the right day, you can just do, you can get away with so much more. I we The ones that me and Ted have are just the, the outer shell from that gear, like the pants and the jacket. It's just a thin, it basically is a zip-up sheet <laughs> that you just put over you. And it just is a size bigger, so you can wear all your normal heavy clothes underneath it and then put that on but I've been doing the same thing. Like it's in my tote with all my other clothes. And I don't know when, if, or when I'm even going to use it on the trip or the hunt, but it, I'm going to have it in there because if we get the right weather, then that could really, that's a, that's an advantage. You know, that's something we can take advantage of on that, on that given day. Because, and it doesn't have to be just during a blizzard necessarily, because that that hunt when you and Nick killed that Minnesota buck, that was just, that was like a bluebird
0: yeah. day, wasn't it? Yeah, at that point in the day, it was perfectly clear. It was relatively calm. Wind was picking up, and by the end of that day, it was it was actually wild blizzard conditions. But um, early there, it was perfectly clear. The snow was relatively quiet because the temperature was really, really low. It was like zero, like s- sitting right at zero. <laughs> and then we uh, snuck in. It was, like I said, it was relatively quiet. I do remember Nick and I kind of talking about how to, you know, how we were trying to step in the snow to be quiet because it had a little squeak to it. It was almost so cold that it was going
1: squawk, squawk.
0: Yeah. But we ended up on that one. The craziest part to me now this is paired with the decoy, so I had the decoy on my bow, but what was crazy about this is like we were moving towards where we had last seen the buck, and the sun was behind like kind of behind us, but it was relatively high in the in the sky because that was later morning I would say around ten o'clock if I had to guess I'd have to like think back a little bit more specific to know for sure. But I want to say that was around 10 o'clock and we were moving in and we stopped at like a very temporary setup. Like we had no expectation for that to work. It was really one of those spots where you're not, you're hoping that he doesn't come in there because I didn't think we had enough cover. Same thing. We just had these little whips of uh, like alder around us and there was not much. I mean, minimal. There was a little bit of cover behind us, but not much. And that buck came out, saw that decoy, and, like, Nick's sitting off to the right of me because he's filming. So, like, he's definitely in the open. Like, he's completely exposed at least, you know, at least his head and his right shoulder over my, you know, head and right shoulder. And that buck just came all the way to 15 yards. And, again, had the decoy on, so that's, like absolutely a factor but yeah but still i mean to get one to come in like that
1: for that amount of time and have it that close you know everything's got to be perfect mm -hmm. everything's got to go right he can't and he was starting to get a little head bob to him when you shot Mm -hmm. but still that's so close
0: that it's working (laughs) at that distance It was so close that i was still able to pull the shot off with a huge glove a cut-off fingered glove and a hand warmer in my palm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean that's pretty close. But Ted, before he he started working with us,
1: he killed one on the ground in the snow at like five yards. A doe. Did he? I remember him sending that video in, and and it's a kind of a classic Ted and Zip picture that they have, where they're both wearing big hats, and Ted's in his snow camo, and he's got that doe. But he i remember watching the video because ted self-filmed it on a tripod
0: That's awesome
1: like and he killed this dove like point blank right there with his bow and then we had several hunts like we were back in the ah uh, man i think we were back in the museum several years ago and we were it was late season hunting on the ground with a bow and just sitting on the ground um and saw like a pile of bucks had a pile of them come right down and come right past yeah i think ted was even the one hunting i
0: think i remember that
1: i can't remember if he was wearing snow camo on that or not but that was the that was really the the eye-opening moment last year was after you and nick came back from minnesota and were are t- talking about like hunting in that snow camo and like dude they can't even <laughs> freaking see you and then me and ted ward out there in that blizzard hunting and it was like man this is this is like cheating almost they can't see a thing but you're you're talking about a deer that's i mean they're still dark in color they're not wearing snow camo obviously but now you are so you're 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 really difficult to see and they're easy to see and it makes me just think of all the possibilities especially in hilly country with snow on it's like you're wearing that snow camo and you're creeping ridges and then where you can glass all down through those open woods, yeah. you can just probably spot bedded deer after bedded deer after bedded deer. I remember we were uh, we were on a lake hunting in the snow. Like the water was open, but there was snow on the mm-hmm. slopes, um, especially the north facing. And we were just cruising around. And all you had to do was just sit there on your binos and you would just see them just dot 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 all over those ridges i mean they were they stuck out like a sore thumb and that stuff from hundreds and hundreds of yards away. You couple that with like a light drizzle of snow or or heavy snow whatever, and blowing snow they won't see you and you could really cover some country and not get busted so long as the snow's quiet. That that's probably the biggest thing. It's like, man, if you get if you get a melty snow that then then freezes and crusts over and it's real calm, then you struggle. Then you might be in trouble. Yeah.
0: But yeah, I think that uh, the other advantage that I like about snow, and I mean, guys in the northeast northeastern listening to this, like, yeah, I mean, that's why we wait for it all season, right? Right, um, but. Just fresh sign in general, like not just specifically tracking, but obviously that whole tactic gets the door gets, you know, really wide open when you get snow. But I love the ability to pick up on that really smoking fresh sign. I mean, it becomes significantly easier to judge sign where, let's say, you're on a timbered ridge and you're looking at a trail going to an oak tree or an oak stand. you're looking at that trail and you're like, man, I mean, yeah, it's beat down, but like, you know, there's some tracks, but I can't tell if those are two days or if they're 10 days since it last rain, you know, long time ago, since it's been wet and rained. That's what I was going to
1: say. If it's been really dry and you're, and you're hunting late season after, after leaves fall,
0: it's really hard Mm -hmm. in the timber. I think the, the ability to just like confirm that hey this is today or two days ago three days ago just becomes significantly easier to look at that sign and make a judgment call there Um, on the other hand the one thing that I've one thing that I've noticed about late season this is just a side note and something I I always think about this time of the year Um, coming up on the muzzleloader season is if you have those dry conditions it seems like the one thing about those trails is in the timber, they'll just get rolled over with the leaves. The leaves just really become like, uh, I guess the line becomes easy to see. Where I feel like in November, it's almost more challenging because you've got these fresh leaves coming down constantly. They just
1: fell like a couple, a week or two mm-hmm. ago. And yeah, we're late season. You got to look for the, where they punch down through yeah. one here and there, but it's hard to mm-hmm. see rubs are easy to see obviously but then all those leaves cover up any scrapes mm-hmm. that were in there yep. and sometimes you can still see an old scrape but it's hard to know how old it actually is unless you can date back the day when those leaves fell off mm-hmm. that particular tree so i like any type of precipitation for scouting Absolutely. tracks and things like you're saying because you can back you can backdate the latest rain or you can back date the latest snow And then you can figure out exactly when it, however, I have run into the situation where you go out there like literally immediately after a fresh snow, say it snows like 9 AM through 1 PM, middle of the day. And then you go on out that afternoon and you're trying to find a place to go. It's like, well, the deer were bedded down about the time that the snow started and they've probably been bedded for the most part all day. So there's very, very, very few tracks, fresh tracks, but I mean, you look at a scenario where it snows during the evening and then half the night, you know, and then you're out there the next morning, everything that's laid down is from, you know, that night or that morning. So, you know, all the, all the tracks and droppings on top or earth scrapes that you're finding is all like super fresh. I love that, man, and you can you can cover so much ground looking for that fresh sign because that's you know, I mean if it's not there, they weren't there, right. obviously last night, and that's what we're always looking for It's like where are they at right now? yeah, then you couple that with being able to move with snow camo on and spot deer at a distance. It's like, man, there's a lot of opportunities out there where you can has success, if you're just looking for the right scenario, I always, that's why I texted you about this is because I'm always fascinated by these, by situational tactics. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because, I
1: mean, there's so many things that as, as a kid when I was growing up that I would just overlook like that. Yeah, yeah, I think. And, I mean, how many days have we hunted in the snow now and how many bucks have we killed in the last two or three years? It's like not very many days hunted in the snow and killed
0: a lot of bucks. Yeah, yeah for sure. Given the... the the that meal there that Colin and I just got, like the thing that, you know, there's a couple of factors there that I think made that experience significantly easier than some of the other stocks. Number one absolutely is the conditions. Like winds blowing I mean I wouldn't Look like hurricane force. I want to say we were getting some gusts <laughs> at 50. I mean, if not, if not 60. I don't know. That was absurd. It was just like there's a couple of clips in there I left in the video because it's so funny to me. I'm slightly off balance, and the wind goes whoof and I like about fall over. My coordination, you know, balance isn't always perfect out there, but like still, the wind's about blowing you over. That's that's pushing, and then yeah. the fact that. And this is kind of an interesting observation as well, which I've seen it two times in the plains like that, where when the wind gets crazy, well, I say two times, two different seasons in 2021 and then in 2023, when the wind gets crazy like that, the reaction that the deer have has been super crazy to me. Makes you really think about that wind-based betting, that wind shift bedding. So the reason that I bring this up is sometimes you have these days where that wind doesn't come until middle of the day. You've got mm-hmm. you know a, a front, and a lot of times you can see it in the in the sky. There'll be that like kind of a wall cloud coming. And in 2021 in December, we had those conditions. Keith and I were sitting up on a glassing point, and you could see the wind coming across the plains. And we were watching deer comfortably bedded. Wind was kind of coming this way, but the cloud was coming this way. And all of a sudden, that wind hit, and those deer just freaked out. They started running to their best option, to bed, where they could be out of the wind. And that day, this season then, that we killed the buck, we started watching whitetails and they were doing that same thing just bailing out of areas running full speed trying to get to a spot where they knew they were covered but it was kind of taking some time and it really displaced the whole herd you know it made Mm -hmm. deer just take off running for miles it was crazy so that's an observation that has also made me think about timber settings and timber hunts where you could anticipate a bed shift, like planning for that a little bit more. And I've heard people talk about it, but until you see it f- with your own eyes, it's a little hard to have confidence in, I think, especially if you get wind middle of the day. You're like, oh, why would a deer move, you know, a couple hundred yards in the middle of the day? Well, <laughs> watching them in the open country certainly helps build confidence because you're like, well, every, literally every single deer gets up and moves when that wind goes, you know, from one direction to the other. Every deer moves. It's crazy. Think about just your average
1: morning hunt. It's like you go out there and your average morning hunt, it's pretty calm at daylight. Now this isn't, this isn't one size fits all, obviously the weather changes, but a lot of the morning hunts that I've been on this year, dead calm at daylight. You're just sitting and waiting for like a couple hours as the sun comes up and it's just lightly fluttering, lightly fluttering. And then like two and a half, three hours after daylight, it starts, those day winds pick up, and all of a sudden it's 10, 15, 18, 20-mile-an-hour gusts. Mm-hmm. And this is about the time when you're thinking about getting down or walking out of the woods or whatever. And this is when most people do get down and, get, and leave. But we see, well, I mean, I, if we just counted up the, the mature buck sightings from the morning hunts alone, I almost guarantee you there is way more of them after nine o'clock than there is before nine o'clock. And that goes for any time of the year, not just the rut.
0: I'd say like almost 80%.
1: I would bet it is. I mean, there's, there's not very many of them that are right at first light. And they're in the just overall deer movement in the mornings. So it's like morning hunts are just kind of a, they're a drag because, in an evening hunt, you know they're going to move in that last hour. It's like building but a morning to that hunt, point. Yes, a morning hunt is like, well, they could move right now or they could move in two and a half hours. I don't really know. They could basically move anytime between 6 and 11. Mm-hmm. And even after that, potentially. Yeah. So, but man, when the day winds pick up, it's almost like a switch flips and the suckers just start zipping around, and I think, that I this is just my guess, I don't know really what's going on, but, you know, you're talking about timber settings. I think what they're doing is they're laid up in a spot. I mean, if it's calm and crunchy, they don't have no a care in the world because they can see everything, they can hear everything around them. They're laid up right there, then all of a sudden the wind gusts pick up, and they can't hear anymore. And it may be coming from a direction where they don't have the scent advantage that they want. They just start to get a little nervous, and even if that—I mean—they'll get up, and if it's blowing hard, like you're saying, they'll—they'll they'll run, and then you'll just see deer like running like crazy. And then you're like, "What is? What spooked them?" It's like the yeah. wind just did. They're just wigged the hell out. Mm-hmm. But they also, even when it's not gusting super hard, and it just picks up to 12, 15 miles an hour you see them walking around and meandering around the woods. And I'm just curious if that's not what they're doing, is if they're bed-shifting. And that's why you see that that movement. It's very predictable anymore. We've seen it so many times at this point, I got a lot of confidence in saying that you need
0: to wait for the day winds to take up in the morning before you call it a morning. I watched a hunt that I think, I think I was just telling Cole about it. It was 2021 season. Jake and I we were tag teaming this area with John Lewis and Jake Lynch. They were gonna go set up in a tree stand that they had hunted the night before. Jake and I were gonna go to the other side of the river and glass. So they were gonna be in a setup on an edge and we were gonna glass. So it was almost like we're getting the best of both worlds in this area. Because it was also plenty big enough that like if there was deer on their side we weren't gonna get to them quickly and vice versa. So. We're, we're sitting there watching this spot and i don't know a few hours go by two three hours whatever gets to be like general quitting time for like a quick morning hunt Nine thirty, ten, 10 something like that john and jake get out of the, get out of the tree we watch them get out they go up to the truck they pull away well, they're, meanwhile, they're driving to service, so that way they can call us. Because where they were set up, they didn't have service, but we are up on a glassing point. We had service. Either way, they were going to give us a call. So they pull out of there. And as soon as they pull out of that spot, it is like a parade of bucks walking down that edge right past. Where they're sitting. <laughs> it's just like one after another after another to the point where it's just like, it's like a, it's like a joke. It's like a bad joke, you know. There are all these, buttons. Yeah. certainly they'd have had like a close call at the minimum, right? Yeah. So you know, John finally calls me, and he's like, you know, trying to get a midday game plan or whatever. And he's like, he's like, well, what do you know? And I'm just like, well, I know that two guys just got out of their stand a little too soon because <laughs> Bucks just went yeah. rolling past. And I think what's interesting about that is, is it had have been some sort of wind change i don't remember the specifics i'm sure we could figure it out by watching the footage uh, you know in full but what was what was the most interesting then is the big buck that they had seen in there the night before or what we believe that you know that assuming it was the same buck we didn't see that buck that day until like noon and that was an october hunt nothing nothing real great about the weather conditions and all of a sudden all those bucks got up and moved and then the biggest one we didn't see him till like straight up middle of the day and it was just interesting because you know and it, it and i, and and I want to mention this as well one of the my favorite parts about hunting open country and then turn around hunting timber especially if it has similar terrain like hills just hills or mountains When you, when you hunt one and then the other, they complement like the the things you take away from both complement the other one so much that it's so fun to hunt both because then you can take that stuff, what you're seeing in the open country and then put it into the timber, it helps you build confidence. And then again, vice versa. And I just feel like after hunting this open country stuff and then thinking about these old hunts in 2021 as well. It just has me so fired up to just go into timber now and use that reference. Because, again, when you're seeing these things, it's just proven to yourself that, like, hey, sometimes noon in October is the time to be, you know, catching that buck moving a little bit. And I just think that's, I don't know,
1: cool, cool. You just don't know exactly when. So the most time that you can spend out there is that's, that's the solution. But... I hear you when you're talking about changes like a change in wind speed or a change in wind direction, regardless of what time of the day it is, that can you better be watching. Mm -hmm. You better be out there. And even if it's warm, they'll do the same thing. I mean, they're they're moving because it's making them nervous or because they need to do a bed shift, you know, because they're not in an ideal spot. And also, I think that, you know, we talked to the, you know, Bronson and Steve from Mississippi State and all their research. That what do they have? Like five feeding bouts a day? Yeah, I think it might even be. I seven. think a deer has it might even be seven. Like, I don't know, but it's it's a bunch of them. And you start thinking about that. It's like, well, the deer's got a, they've got to feed then, like every five or six hours, and they're like, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. They have to feed every five or six hours. I'm like, they don't just go and feed in the evening and then feed all night. And they're like, no, they get up in the evening and they go and feed and they peruse around or whatever. And then they bed down again. And then in the middle of the night, they get back up and they go and feed and move around again. And then they bed down again. And then first thing in the morning, they do, they do the same thing. So it makes me think like mature bucks, they, they're usually getting back oftentimes to their secure area before daylight they may not be bedded but they're back real close to a secure place Mm -hmm. and they may maybe they lay down right at daylight or right before well if what's five six hours after that it's the middle of the day and day i mean they've got a they're they've got a feeding bout at some point during daylight hours and they're they just don't lay there the, the whole day. However, four or five hours is a long time for a guy to sit there and stare at leaves blow <laughs> or sit there and glass a hillside with grass in it and see no deer. Mm-hmm. But you just don't, you, we don't really know how many deer are actually out right. there. And I feel like I've made this mistake before where I'll look at an area like that. I'll go on one hunt, sign or no sign. If I don't see anything, I'm gone. Cause, and I like to move and chase sign and whatever, but even hunting in Mississippi here these last couple of weeks and that really thick crap, it's like you can hunt a thicket where you could see over the whole thing and you could sit there for for f- five hours not see a deer, and you could go right back to that thing that afternoon or that evening you could see ten. Yeah. They're all there. They're just, you have to be there and catch that, that movement peak. And it's, I mean, there's all different people that say you can predict it with the moon or you can predict it the movement in the morning is predictable and the movement in the evening is predictable. But, man, I, I can't tell you how many times we've seen deer up and moving around in the middle of the day at all times of the year based on the wind, just with wind picking up like that. I mean, we had a deer in the buck nest. We were getting set up. In mid-October, we were getting set up like four or five hours before dark. And it was a front day where it had been coming out of the south. <laughs> and like at noon, one o'clock, from noon to one thirty, it switched from a south, went to a northwest. And like we were waiting for that switch to happen so we could get in there on the south side of the buck nest. Yeah. And we waited, waited, waited. We waited in the edge of the woods up there. I mean, it's sitting there blowing out of the South and we're like, well, we're just going to wait because I don't want to blow this bedding area. Well, what ended up happening was the dang wind switched and we moved in there and we're climbing a stupid tree and a deer, uh, the biggest buck in that, in that bedding area that we'd seen that old gnarly mm-hmm. thing, you know, that year that you and I were in there, it may have even been me and you that day. I don't remember if it was me and you or me and Corey, but we were climbing the tree. And it's the middle of the day, and I turned around, and that deer's coming right out of where we just walked. At one in the afternoon, making a 300-yard shift right into the middle of the nest. Walked right over our grounds and didn't have a care in the world. I mean, the thing's not rut cruising. Right. He's just bed shifting. Yeah. It's like that wind was a light south all morning waiting on that front, and then, boom, the front's here northwest, twelve thirty, one 1 o'clock, 15 mile an hour. And there he goes. He moved, he made, probably made a two or three hundred yard switch and then bedded down. We did not see a deer the rest of the day, even during prime time in the evening. So it's like you think about that day, and you could have hunted that bedding area in the morning, you could have hunted it in the evening, not seen a dang deer. And if you would have been sitting there during the wind shift in the middle of the day at 12, 1 o'clock, who knows how many bucks you would have seen. I that's just the only one we saw because we were preoccupied with hanging a damn set. Yeah. But um that that's just one of many examples. I mean I
0: think I think
1: and then we were talking about all the mature bucks in the mid mid morning during all times of the year. It's like it's 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 pretty predictable at this point. Yeah. You've got to just be out right, there. Right, right. I
0: think it's I think it's one of those things it's hard to read it. I struggle a little bit to like, you had mentioned moon, weather, being able to predict those movements, but I'm looking at the forecast, for example, I don't say, all right, Ben, I mean, sometimes maybe there's more of an obvious shift where it's like, you know, fluttering until, you know, 930 and then the wind picks up and kind of switches. Those days are a little bit easier to predict, but I've noticed a lot of times it's just a feel like you're just out there and you can hear that wind start to pick up. You start to notice little yeah. cues where other animals and stuff start to move around too. And then all of a sudden, boom, there he is kind of just cruise, you know, slowly milling around a bedding area or something. I mean, I think of, uh, that one Nebraska buck that Jake and I shot. I mean, back in 2017, that, that whole that whole hunt seemed like a bed shift, like right when that wind picked up, man, he was up and moving and it's just become, I would say something when in the hunt, if you can tell yourself, Hey, stick this out a little bit longer when you feel that change. And sometimes those changes can be other conditions as well. Like maybe just simply clouds coming over or you know, the the wind is an easy one, but going from clouds or sun to clouds, or clouds to rain, or, you know, clouds to snow. Those things seem to make little shifts as well. And I just think that playing into the wind-based and back, I mean, all the way back to this mule deer thing, just seeing day in and day out on this last hunt where deer were going, based off those conditions was really eye-opening for all settings and something that's just certainly going to help me in other hunts because yeah but whenever you were slipping up there you had two bucks
1: bust out of yeah. there but they didn't did they spook because they saw you or were they just running because of the wind? honestly warb. you like you have you'd been seeing I, that i morning. have
0: no idea i guess i do have an idea they m- maybe I got sloppy and they saw me. I don't think so because I felt like I was really looking, and, and the conditions being the way they were, the wind blowing the way it was, it seems hard to believe that they spooked because of us. Now, one thing I have noticed is, is like if you drive past deer it can put them on edge. So maybe they were just on edge already from us having driven past, because that was kind of a accident, you know. We just happened to be taking the road that was right underneath where they were bedded. So they maybe were on edge, and then the wind freaked them out, or maybe they were on edge and did see us or something. But I watched two bucks run, and, I mean, my heart sank, because it was just like, dude, like, we've spent all this time looking and planning, and, and here, then we're just below it. But then... I had just looked back at Cole and, you know, told him they're running. And then I looked back, and the other one that we ended up getting is just totally calm. Like, he has no... Yeah, he didn't
1: look like he had a clue. He had,
0: like, no cues that made him look nervous, you know. He never had his ears kind of... Were they bedded together, or were the two, like, a little bit further away? When we left them, they were, like, right beside each other the two bigger ones were really close to each other and the other one was maybe 7 yards away from them tops
1: Man, that's crazy to think like what if that's a calm situation or something they're probably all oh out yeah there. yeah cuz he hears the other two get up and they're gone
0: but and i don't know if it was a deal where like maybe like for example if if they wig themselves out on the wind and the snow blowing then I got, you know, I don't know what about that moment was different. On the other hand, though, if maybe, maybe if I popped around there too fast and one or two of them saw me and they just took off running, the other one didn't see anything. He's just like, what are these fools doing? Like, I don't know. They're just wigging themselves out. I think that alone, like you said, on a calm day, even if they did wig themselves out, the other one's going with, because he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't trust that either. Where on this day, he's just like, ah, it's just crazy. And, and we're.
1: It's crazy. You know, Every deer's yeah, running all over We're all wiped out.
0: So he yeah. just seemed to be calm. And then um, he bedded immediately, almost. Like, I watched him stand there. And then he bedded right back down. And then the thing that uh, I thought was probably the coolest is, <laughs> you know me. I was like, I'm not going to. I say it in the video. It's like, I'm not going to sit here all day. Like, we're too far from him. I don't have enough confidence that he's going to come our way. I got a feeling that he's going to feed and then drop down. And even if he does that and angles our way, he could still be 40, 45 yards. 60 yards or whatever. Yeah. So the wind was blasting over the top. And I, I talked about this in the video as much as I could. But the wind was blasting over the top, north, northwest. Northwest, I guess. And that was coming over that bowl, which is basically right at his back. So when we first see him, he's looking down the hill, the wind's like, you know, the predominant wind is technically going straight over him, but really interesting as we're watching him and Cole brought up, like, did they wind us? Cause there was a couple times you'd feel that wind, it's supposed to be coming this way would just hit you in the side of the head. I kept watching the grass in that bowl. And if you watch the video closely, almost the whole time Cole's filming that buck, the the snow is going as the viewer left to right, going straight back up that bowl. And I remember sitting there in the moment, and, you know, it's brutal. Everything's loud and cold. And <laughs> Cole and I can barely even talk, you know, because <laughs> it's so loud. And I remember just thinking, okay. If you were hunting elk or deer in southern Ohio, for example, and you have a south facing slope with a north wind, you're going to expect up at the top to have some sort of like wind clash, some sort of roll mm-hmm. over the top. And um, there's been a couple setups that like Keith and I had in the deer woods. In timber settings where that's what we were playing and we were just kind of guessing that going in and it would work and it would just sail off the top and I remember thinking (laughs) if I just risk it and try to get above him with the wind blowing the way it is with the snow camo on and the fact that he eventually stood up and started feeding I was like I might just be able to move it pretty quick use the wind that's blasting over the top as noise cover and then you know, hopefully just shoot it out over the top. So I ended up making that move, obviously got up and around, got eyes on him again, and those conditions allowed me to do things that I've never done on those mule deer like that. Like I just moved it pretty quick throughout that whole stalk. And then once I got there, it, it was weird. There was a really weird feel there. I think part of it is he's on his feet feeding, and you could just tell his eyes were distracted. But, dude.
1: Yeah, he doesn't ever look at you
0: once. Literally never one time. It was kind of crazy. But there was this weird feeling because.
1: Yeah, after having so many (laughs) stalks where it's like, you know. (laughs)
0: You just so much as bring the cam up, and yeah, dude, that's <laughs> just. That's, like, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It's like there's been so many where I'm watching like a time through the grass, and I'm like so paranoid, you know. I'm wearing that stupid hat because I'm so paranoid, you know. I'm just like doing everything I can to get away from, with it. Well, here I'm sitting, and I'm I know I'm possibly skylined if he looks at me for too long. But I just put a few yucca plants. I mean, barely any cover between me and him, and I would just sit as low as I could. And I, I, I felt like there. I felt invisible. I was like, "There's no way he's gonna mm-hmm. see me." I just felt so confident in that moment, and uh, yeah, a hundred percent. You know, give that to the conditions, and then you know, wearing snow camo and wearing and just wearing enough that it was going to be really hard to see me yeah
1: i mean i would love to be able to look back at, at some of the it if you look at the perspective from the deer and all these different scenarios it's got to be just invisible mm-hmm. I, I mean because everything's white mm-hmm. it's just yeah. yeah how do you how do you it's crazy up to think on too anything and, like that it's 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 just wild to see the contrast of like you're saying of all these other stalks, like watching Greg stalk those things earlier this this year, and it does it goes for whitetails and mule deer, probably anything honestly, but just watching him slide up to like 25 yards away from that buck when he's bedded underneath that little tree, mm-hmm. it's like there's no there's no way that that thing, I mean. he sits there forever and that thing eventually just gone and there's very little movement oh yeah but with that deer like you said like he's standing up and he's walking around in circles and in the footage he's just looking
0: around he has no freaking (laughs) idea he's got not a care in the freaking world it was a pretty surreal feeling truthfully like having been you know so paranoid had built like this par paranoid mentality because of how, you know, many times we've been busted on these types of stalks. And, and a lot of it comes down to lack of cover. Like, I, I think one thing that I mentioned at the end of that video that I w- kind of wished I would have worded slightly differently was white tails are more likely to jump from their bed or less likely to jump from their bed. I don't necessarily mean that 100% of the time. I wish I would have worded this just slightly differently. I think that whitetails can be just as likely to jump from their bed, but those mule deer in those really open situations are very good at putting everything to their advantage to where they hear one little thing and they're like, what's the point of me staying here versus running right over there and then just making that move and being knowing I'm safe? Where I feel like Mm whitetail... They get in that pocket where they feel really safe, and they're
1: they're very hard to move sometimes. Yeah, like they'll hold. T- especially if it's really thick. Yeah. yeah, it's like in down there where we were hunting those thickets down south. You'd had to step yeah. on them, the big the big ones especially. Mm-hmm. It's like if you went in the edge of one of those thickets and it was calm and you cracked, you would maybe get some deer up close by, but they were bedded in a basically a sea of head high grass and cattails for, you know, it might be, it might be a hundred acres of it yeah. and you don't know where they're at out there. They could be anywhere out in it. <clears throat> so at first we were too conservative setting up on the edge of it next to those open woods. But by the end of the hunt, we were just like, no, we don't know where they're at. They could be anywhere out there. So our best odds is just to go to the middle, like if we spook one we spook yes. one and what we found was that we rarely spook yeah. one that's like we would go right to the middle even on the really calm crunchy conditions we'd go right to the middle and get up where we could see down in there and then all of a sudden we'd see deer start popping up hmm. you know all around us but to your point about the big the white tail bucks and especially the big bucks I feel like they I don't know if mule deer roam as much or if they have like a wider home range but like a did. lot of times with a with a whitetail, they get, especially as they get older, they find them a few pockets on the landscape where they where they feel safe, where they're not around people. You know, and especially if you're dealing with heavily pressured deer, it's like usually if there's a really big one there, he's on a heavily pressured spot, he's going to find, you know, a couple spots that don't have people in it. He's not going to find like a whole slew of them. Like you look at any given any public area, and there's people pretty well all over most of it, but there may be just like a little hole here, a little hole here, and that thing don't want to leave it. You gotta you gotta kick (laughs) him up like a rabbit to get him out. Yeah, a lot of the times. Yeah, the
0: the a couple other hunts that I real quickly we don't have to harp on them would like to bring up that were interesting to me was last year I was in uh, New York with Keith. And we were attempting to track, but we ended up working up this finger and ended up uh, having a fawn come flying past us, just goofing, kind of seemed like. But we backtracked her. And when we were backtracking her, we eventually ran right into all this sign that was super fresh. So that was a huge confidence boost. The snow had come in heavy the day before. You can tell that this was all since then. All of a sudden, then we look up, and there was a group of does feeding kind of up out of their beds and maybe they heard us coming and kind of got up it's hard it's hard to say for sure or maybe they were just up feeding and we timed it right but they ended up working past us just slightly uphill same deal though keith and i have snow camo on orange vests, but snow camo and man those deer walked 20 25 yards right past us broadside could have shot him with a bow like easily had a bow shot at them and i remember that being a real eye opener for the snow as well as working at their elevation like that's something that you know between the especially the group of does mhm you can just
1: it's like man if you can get by if you can get by with that with a group of mature does they're not seeing yeah. you
0: it was weird. They were looking at you know, they'd be looking at us and they never spooked until they got our wind, which you could predict yeah. where that was gonna happen, but we kinda had a sure. wind going like this and they eventually um smelled us. But then the other one that uh is not my hunt, but do you ever see where uh Alex Comstock shot a buck late season? I don't know if I don't know if he's done it multiple times, but at least one time. He shot a buck where he made just a straight-up snow blind in the middle of an open cut cornfield. Have you ever seen that?
1: Uh-uh. That sounds it's sweet. It's really sweet. Has
0: he got it on his I channel? Think he does. I'll probably have I need to watch that. So he was seeing bucks go out into a field, and it's like the most open setting you could imagine, which, I mean, you're going to find that in any states that you have, you know some sort of agriculture but he just built this snow blind out in the middle like and it was just made like a snow fort and <laughs> sat down in it and i think he has snow camo on too and he's just like shoots one with a bow doing that it's like Jeez. real sweet uh,
1: sam's killed a bunch of them in the mm-hmm. boat with a bow in south and north dakota the last few years in snow like yeah, it seems like he's killed like a handful of bucks in the last five years up there, and every single one of them's in the snow. Mm-hmm. Now I know they got they have consistent snow up right. there for longer periods of time, but sure seems like he's killing a lot of them in late November and December up there in snow.
0: Yep, Yep. but I just think that you know it's not. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this maybe you're just not listening to this or watching this if you're in Louisiana yeah maybe if you're from Florida you don't care at all about this <laughs> but it but it is uh i don't know it's just for a lot of a lot of us it's something that like we've talked about before the conditions are so situational that it's like you know maybe it's only 3 times a whole season or one time even or none some seasons, but just taking advantage of those conditions when you get them is, is extremely important. And I think that it's just something that we're always getting a little bit better at. And our, you know, it's easier to go when you don't like the conditions, if you have confidence. And I feel like we're just certainly building uh, some experience, you know, a list of experiences that have certainly helped my confidence with going in the snow and like has got me fired up about late season hunting in general like probably similar to you and like why you brought up this topic is when I was younger I thought well you know I'm only ever gonna gun hunt in the late season and I don't really even like late season you know the only advantage is you get to use a gun and now I'm leaning not saying that's changed all that much but I'm more likely to be excited about bow hunting, even in the late season, just because the confidence with those different conditions has gone up so much that I feel like, hey, like we might be able to shoot some bucks with bows even into January, if you get those right conditions. And I don't know, that just is something that's kind of new to me, is being excited about late season hunting in general, but specifically bow hunting. I'm like, you know, maybe there's more opportunity there than what I originally thought. Yeah, I
1: would have never even bought the camo. Like, I'd have never even had it because, like I told you, I I don't want to buy something I'm never going to use or it's just going to sit there. But after seeing the results of it, it's like 100% going to have it in the box at all times now. And I'm even to the point where I'm looking at the, weather forecast in like different areas of the state and if there's an area that's getting snow i would rather hunt there this time of the year than i would elsewhere yeah i just because i'm so intrigued by it it's like man we've hunted in the snow like 10 12 times in the last six years and we've killed a handful of bucks it's like that's pretty good yeah. pretty good odds compared to me hunting you know i've hunted like 40 sometimes <laughs> it took me 40 hunts this year before i killed a, killed a buck the way it goes sometimes. Like anything that gives you a little bit of an advantage, your direction. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you if, if you don't learn anything else from this whole podcast, you need to try snow camping. Yeah, yes, in the snow. Seriously, it's because
0: and and not even you know I don't even really think you have to buy it if you don't want to. I mean, buy an oversized long sleeve shirt or you know even a t-shirt or buy a buy a
1: dang bed sheet and cut the arms out of it if you want i mean whatever it's it's white out there when it snows and they can't see you You might even be able to make a
0: line just out of a sheet you know like if you want if you if you don't want to make camo or the actual wear of the camo you might just be able to make a little ground blind out of a
1: take a white painter suit buy one of those for mm-hmm. 10 bucks at the hardware store and walk around out there in a big white onesie <laughs> you look like a moron but it might work really well ted and zip always call it wearing their whites yeah. i mean it's like
0: yeah But but it's
1: anything that you can use to your advantage to help you. I mean, it's it seems like little small tweaks here and there, but you'd be
0: surprised. I mean, because because we'd be surprised surprised. (laughs) that's
1: that's what maybe makes the yeah, that's maybe especially when you're bow hunting, that's what makes the difference and like you said, having those does walk right by you and maybe having those does stop at forty yards and go to stomping and blowing. You know, that's a lot of times when you're bow hunting, that's what I feel like on so many bow hunts throughout the year, that's ultimately what gets yeah. you is those come out first or a little buck comes out first and they bust you somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And that pretty well derails the rest of your yeah. hunt.
0: They throw. Because it.
1: the big boy has got less odds of walking, just walking out dumb right past you, unless it's in the middle of the rut or something. Yep. But man, if you're concealed and you're getting deer coming by you in bow range when they can't see you, you need to take advantage of those conditions when you got them, regardless of what time of year it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good. It's just a good way to, I think, wrap it all up because it's not. It's not going to look the same. I mean, we're we 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 kind of focused on a couple of things like snow camo or you know conditions and then you know wind shift, and I just feel like. The other thing to take away from this is every single day, and then more specifically, the more we hunt, every single hour, there's these little decisions to be made or instincts to kind of go off of. And just continuing to learn that is something that's fascinating to us and just fun and certainly has increased our, at the very least, confidence in a lot of situations. It's increased the amount of
1: fun that I have out Mm -hmm. there. Cause like I used to not go on really hot windy days because it's hot and it's nasty, you know, mm. but I like look forward to those days now mm. because I'm like, oh, this is going to be a killer scouting day yeah. where it's like, it's going to be warm, but wind's going to be blowing 25 miles an hour, it's not going to be miserable in the timber. Like I can work some timber on these days mm. into the wind. And I'm like plotting the, my routes the, two days before it gets there. And it's a, it's a crap movement day. Yeah. Right, for the most part, but I mean that's when we that's when you learn a lot about these spots in these areas, so yeah I mean, I just there's so many we we beat it to death, yeah. but there's so many different well, and I think opportunities that you have to get out and to use conditions to your advantage if you're aware of what you can do in those conditions
0: I think that uh what you just said though is something that has this is what is. The part that I think of that makes it more fun is back when I only hunted in one way, in one place, you know, when I was younger, I spent so much time at my grandpa's, for example, and I was waiting for a good movement day. So like if I had you were deer casting yeah I mean and in, in, it really was you know you're like
1: waiting and the thing does work like it says the on the good movement days it definitely lets you know when those are gonna happen absolutely and that's usually right but but that doesn't mean you
0: don't need to be out there the rest of those days <laughs> right I just think like it, it made it a new you're constantly thinking about where deer might be and then how close do I need to get I mean it just adds these fun uh, I mean. It's easy to overthink it too, which I know you and I both do that a lot, but it's something that also when you have the conditions and the confidence to make these decisions easier, it just makes the whole process more fun and it makes you not have to wait for a specific day. Like I think about how silly it was that, you know, I had two days to hunt in college, for example, and I was just hoping all week I'd be looking at the weather, hoping that those two days, you know, you look at, what, a 12-day time span, and in the middle of that, yeah. I got two days to hunt.
1: Two great cold front day opportunities. Or yeah, like,
0: what, what are the odds that the yeah. weather's going to fall on those two days? Like, oh, like low. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just think how much more efficient you can become when you pick up on these things and... Not saying that we'd nail it by any means, but, again, just that confidence boost is always a good thing. And any way you can get that is going to be helpful. So, yeah, maybe that's hopefully something else you could take away from this, even if you're in Florida or Louisiana. (laughs) Yep. All right. I got little kids running around above me. Well. Things are about to get real around here. Well, yes, (laughs) it is Christmas Eve for those watching or listening. Warb and I got up early to rip this rip this out so i think it was i think it was a good one and a fun one and you better get to wrangling kids Yep. happy christmas y'all yeah all right right. sounds good thanks dude thanks everybody for watching and listening and (laughs) catch you later See y'all